Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Paint a word picture of A.J. Dillon's legs as we see them right now. It's a phenomenal. I mean, first of all, the guy's got his, his shorts rolled up. That's when you know you have, like, legs looks like show are afraid of his legs. They're right. They're like, I can't yeah. go over those quads. They're too thunderous. <laughs> Okay, well, thinking or talking about thunderous thighs, here's two guys that don't have thunderous thighs, Paul Burmeister and Chris Sims. What up? Chris Sims on Button Podcast. Well How you doing, man? What's up, man? How Everything good? Everything's good. Yeah. Doing good? All right, so we got to inform everybody out there. First off, this is going to be the new routine now that we've hit the offseason. We're not going to do Monday, Wednesday, Thursday podcast tapings. The draft is over. It's limited news cycle in the NFL world right now. So we, I want to make sure all the listeners know, it's going going to be Tuesday tapings, Thursday tapings, and we'll have fun that way. But I think this is, will be the schedule going forward here, and probably, probably until the start of training camp yeah, for all those sense. out there listening. Yeah. There's just not enough to go around, not enough to talk to. Even with my big mouth, I can't find enough <laughs> things to talk about three times a week right now on a podcast. And sometimes that old thing that my first sports director used to tell me, the less they see you, the more they like you. Sometimes yeah. you know, May, June, July of the football cycle, right. a couple times yeah, a week is right. probably good. That's right. That's good. Yeah. Right. And and Big we'll, Phil is on which days? Big Phil's going to be Tuesdays. Okay. Coming on. He's not going to make Except it today. today. We let him know a little late. That's my fault. We'll blame Matt Casey in the back, too. But either way, well done. Yes. he will be here on Thursday. He's going to do the podcast on be Thursday. Here not, no, not right? here. Yeah, not yeah. here. He does want to come here yeah. to do the podcast. Though. Would we have to send a car to get him, or would he drive himself? Probably. Oh, no, he would probably drive, like to drive himself, actually. He likes to be in the car by himself. I don't know why. <laughs> but at some point during the summer, we are going to get him Okay, here. great. He wants to do it. But Tuesday, uh, for all those out there listening, will be Big Fucker Tuesday from here on out. This week, it's just going to be Thursday only, and uh, we should be on a set schedule from there. Perfect. And yeah. I think I could be either Tuesday or Thursday whenever, uh, whenever I'm invited yeah. by you. You're always invited. Mr. Casey, so right. I like the schedule. All right, cool. Very good. Yep. What do we got today? Gosh. we got. S- I know you set the rundown. I did set the rundown. Yeah. Now, where do we start? I don't know. But <laughs> I got a lot of stuff that grinded my gears today, chat my ass. That's so what it a says. Few things. Yes. my ass. And a chat my ass. Is that yeah. where we want to start this podcast? Or it's what do you it's wanna... listed as the, the, the third bullet point, but if yeah. you want to start no, there. No, let's not start there. That's coming up. Chat my ass, okay? That's going to be a new segment. I do like it better than the free agent list that's listed before, though. Okay. Yeah. You like it before? You like it first? Well, let's talk about the free agents okay. first and then just get into that because it is kind of a, a newsy topic that's relevant to the NFL right now. Which name is at the top of mind right now? Well, I think there's two names. You know, I think first off, the big, the big conversation right now is, okay, the end of the compensatory pick period is over right now, and people think, oh, because that's that over. What mean exactly? It, it means within the formula of compensatory picks, which are, let's just say, at a basic way, based on the – the players you lose, how much money they're signed to, as far as what tier they're in as free agency, right? Okay. So the New England Patriots are going to get a nice compensatory pick for losing a Trey Flowers, okay? And so they'll be up towards the top of what you can get as for a compensatory pick. Now, lower level free agent guys you lose, yeah, you're not going to get as high, high as a compensatory a pick. pick. Do they get for Trey Flowers? Well, it's going to it's going to be it's anywhere between what pick 97. And, and, yeah, it's end of the third round. Okay. It gets tacked on there. And according to the value, uh, if it's not a great value, it might be fifth-round picks, whatever it may be. But that is the, the period that ends right now, okay? So people think that these, these players, Anza, Muhammad Wilkerson, and Dominican Sue, are going to get signed right now because of the compensatory setup, right? Which they're saying, 
I'm, I don't know if I'm explaining it this really good. I'm stumbling over my words. But what I want to say is this, okay, with Ndamukong Sue or a player like that, when you lose a player like that kind of player and he signs for big money somewhere else, you mm -hmm. get a higher compensatory pick, okay? If you lose um, – if you sign one of these type of players, okay, you can lose some of your compensatory value, right, as far as what happened in free agency. Right. I'm trying to clean this up as we talk about it. And um, So basically, Ndamukong Sue could cancel out Trey Flowers. He, yeah, not to, probably not to quite to that extent, but he certainly could hurt the value of where that compensatory pick happens. But my big thing is I think people are making a bigger deal about this compensatory pick, period, right? Teams weren't signing or not signing Ndamukong Sue or let's say Ezekiel Anza because they were going, oh, gosh, I don't, we were picked 97 with the compensatory picks. Now right. we're going to be picked 127. That's not the reason. It's, uh, it's the money. It's maybe they're on the back the side of, of their, their career. career they're in. There's injury issues. These are the type of players, once you get to year eight or more in the NFL, okay, yeah, people worry about your health. Of course, that's usually the, the, the time is when physical skills start to decline. And for guys like Ezekiel Anzia and Andama Kunsu, there's questions about not only them as players. Ezekiel Anzia has shoulder issues, so people want to make sure that gets healed up. People don't want to pay big money to an older defensive tackle type like an Andama Kunsu. Okay, so they're going to kind of evaluate their team. Let's see what we can do in free agency, the draft, see if we can get some guys in here that are younger and less expensive. And then at some point during OTAs, mini camp or before training camp, teams are going to evaluate their team and go, all right, we've seen enough. We've seen the guys we got here in the locker room. Our defensive tackle position is lacking. So let's maybe make a play for Ndamukong Sue and see if we can get him to join the team because we have some serious deficiencies at the defensive tackle issue. Did that right. make sense, any of that? I hope it did. It okay. did. So narrowing okay. it down to specifics, yeah. which one of those names that you mentioned, Ndamukong Sue, yeah. Ziggy Ansah, Muhammad Wilkerson, if you, if you want, if you're one of these teams, uh, consider themselves in the markets for a player like that. Right. I, I think, and, and the price is right. Which which one do you like the most? Well, I, I think Ansa is the guy that you know you know widens my eyes or makes me perk up a little bit because again he's just getting done with his rookie contract, so yeah. he's really in the prime of his career still. Right? Yes, and it, it's really it's more injury related with Ezekiel Ansa. Had had shoulder issues, had surgery. I think it's going to be one of those teams where. He's going to visit a bunch of teams come the end of July and August again so they can check on that shoulder, and then you're going to see the bidding starting for his services. Now, some teams that jump out to me that I think would be the Ezekiel Anza you know, conversation, um, the Buffalo Bills, the Baltimore Ravens, the Seattle Seahawks, the New York Giants, the Oakland Raiders, and the New York Jets. Those are, those are six teams to me where I look at and go, there's some deficiency issues with pass rushers on their roster. I have a team to add to that yeah, list. Yeah, please do. How about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Sure. They After might, the health news about Jason Pierre-Paul today. They could certainly be in the convo now, yes. I mean, JPP, for all those out there listening, uh, we kind of just got word as we were starting here to, to tape the podcast. Uh, he got in a car crash last week, and it didn't sound like it was horrible, like he was banged up, beat up a little bit. But we just got word that, you know, there's a fracture in his neck and that he's going to see some specialists, and that him playing in the 2019 season is now in danger. Yeah. Uh, that's just some bad luck for the Tampa Double Bay Double-digit sacks last Double year. Double-digit sacks, well. yes. I mean, yeah. you know, traded for the player to get him still playing well, good against the run. Like you said, he's a very good pass rusher still. And I just feel bad for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who just had the number five pick in the NFL draft. I mean, I think if they knew this issues, they might have gone, okay, forget Devin White, we'll go Josh Allen. You know, somebody off the edge. So this changes the dynamic of their football team where I feel sorry for them. You know, they let a guy like Vinnie Curry walk out the door. You know, they're a team that's in the mix for pass rushers. Their problem with Ezekiel Anza and this thing is Tampa Bay, as far as the salary cap concern, they have about the, the least, second to least amount of money out there to spend. Really? Yeah. They're at one million. They have one point seven million dollars. They're in thirty first as Who far as got it, them in trouble. Well, I, I guess it's it is people like JPP, yeah. Mike Evans, uh, you know, Jameis Winston being on the fifth year option this year. I'm trying to go through all the other names that might be uh, in the conversation here. But you're right. I, I'd have to look at the rest of their list to go. I wouldn't have guessed that Buccaneers they were in that that situation. That trouble, Gerald yeah. McCoy, we're forgetting about. That's okay. Right. Yeah. Donovan Smith got uh, new money this year. Ali Marpet. I'm just naming off some of the guys that are at the top of their list for what they're making. But, yeah, Jameis is making $20 million. He's a $20 million cap hit this year. 
Mike Evans is a Levante $20 million. Dollar, yeah, Levante Davis has uh, got a, a $10 million cap charge. So uh, they are. They're a little top-heavy as far as that's concerned. But that's unfortunate for JPP. And, yeah, I hear you. The Bucks are going to be in that conversation. Um, Ziggy Anza, though, I, I said I think this, though. Three teams that jump out to me as far as I said the six teams that I think would be in the market for a pass rusher. But I think at the end of the day, the Bills, the Seahawks, the Raiders, the Jets, mm -hmm. they have the assets to pay Ezekiel Anza a little bit more money than, let's just say, the Ravens or the Giants in this scenario. Now, what's Anza going to like? He's going to go somewhere where, hey, they're competitive, they're in the playoff conversation. If I'm him, I also want to go to a place that the defense is pretty good, so I'm not getting double teamed all week because he's probably going to have to sign a one-year prove-it type deal. So, to me, that's where the Bills, the Seahawks, really come into Seattle play. Seattle would make a whole lot of right? sense. I mean, yeah. just get outside, rush the passer, be a part of that defense, and you'll probably strike it rich. The Bills are another team, I would say. When you got Ed Oliver and Star Lutalele and Jerry Hughes, and that was one of the three best defenses in football last year, he yeah. could go up there and probably All put sudden, some numbers. Buffalo, you know, maybe not as much as Cleveland. Yes. They've really had a, an amazing jump in popularity. Definitely. Buffalo, not such a bad destination anymore. No. I mean, I think the, the, the culture that – Maybe even a, a, attractive for the first time in a while. I think they got some players up there that certainly would, would uh, you know, make me perk up in my seat and go, ooh, this team is on the verge of, of maybe being, you know, a true contender. I do. Yeah. I think they're the team to watch out for. The Raiders, though, for Anza, that to me is the no-brainer. For Ezekiel Anza. I would go after him hard. They can overpay him, but there's still pass rushing issues with the Oakland Raiders roster where I would look at to go, it makes most sense there, but we'll see how that plays out. And then Ndama Kunsu. He's the other, guy, the other big name in this, in this conversation. And, yeah, what is he asking for money-wise? He wasn't worth the $14 million he commanded last year. Mm -hmm. He played great in the playoffs, but the regular season was just – Good. It was not great. It wasn't worth $14 million. So I think that's where the discrepancy lands with Ndamukong Sue is what he's asking is probably a little too rich for a lot of teams. And at the point of his career, again, he is one of those guys. Teams are going to go in and go, let's see what we got first, and let's see if maybe a diamond in the rough appears in the rotation at defensive tackle. And hopefully it appears. But if he doesn't appear, then maybe we need to call Ndamukong Sue's agent and see you know, what's going on there. Do you think he'll have to take? What's I, he worth now? I, I would go somewhere in the $8 million a year. Seven. Right, something right around there. Seven, $8 million a year would be about the, the price. And, and then, again, you, I'm just going to name a few teams that I think should be in that conversation. Again, the Raiders. Mm -hmm. I look at the Raiders. Hey, that front seven last year, they sucked. They sucked. I mean, do you know where the Raiders ended up on sack total last year? They had 13 sacks for the season. Total. That's 17 below second to last place at 30. Right. That's how poor their defensive line was. So, to me, again, uh, with Sue, I think there's some teams that certainly could use his help. The Indianapolis Colts, you look at their interior defensive line. It's not real impressive for a team that I think we're all expecting kind of mm -hmm. a run for here in the AFC, right? The Kansas City Chiefs, they're another team I'd throw out there. You know, they're not in the greatest cap space situation, but I think they could probably figure out a way when you're in the Super Bowl window right now to maybe finagle some money for Ndamukong Sue. It's They still have $17 million of cap space. They're right down the middle of the 15th place. Could you uh, have Sue and Chris Jones in the same line? I, I do think you could, yes, yeah. And again, they have enough players there to where I think they could sell Sue too. You don't have to play 60 snaps a right. game. You come here and play 30 snaps, and we'll keep you fresh so you can add more years to your career if the price is right. But, you know, the Chiefs, the Colts, the Titans, the Raiders, and even the Cleveland Browns. I just look at the Cleveland Browns. You're and bringing it, up all the it teams. The it teams, it's yeah. crazy. But, again, the Cleveland Browns, they, they're, they're sixth or fifth as far as salary cap space. And I just would challenge people out there. Again, they have some names on their roster on the defensive line, but mm -hmm. a lot of unproven commodities. And after Sher Sheldon Richardson and, and Larry Ogunjobi, who's a, a third-year player for them, there's not a lot of depth or proven commodity on the interior part of that defensive line. For a team that I look at to make a big jump, yeah. I think that would scare John Dorsey too. And he's not afraid to take a chance on some personalities either right. to where I could see that maybe happening if the price becomes right for Sue and Cleveland. You, you, you just rattled off a number of AFC teams yeah. that we all expect, as you said, to be pretty good. Right. If the money was the same and you could pick between uh, Buffalo, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Kansas City for these players you just mentioned, yeah. 
which defense, which building you think is like, boy, I would love to be there in 2019. I, I think I look at of all the ones, oof, that's a really good one. I mean, the Seahawks defense, like, you know, just mentioning them, the culture that's there, mm-hmm. it seems like anybody that gets involved in that defense, their play seems to rise. That's the NFC, though. Of, yeah, you of said those, the AFC. The sorry. AFC, yes. yeah. Uh, I, you know, the Chiefs and Colts, to me, are poised to be playoff football teams. Right. And as we see, when you're in the playoffs and then you're one of the only game on or two games on on a Sunday afternoon, everybody's watching, and you thrive in those situations, it can help your overall stock. So, yeah, if I'm a guy like Sue or Anza and the AFC, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, the Chiefs and Colts would be the teams that, that jump out to me more than any. But, you know, again, the Colts – uh, and the Chiefs, I think, are more in the defensive tackle market than they are right. maybe the pass rusher market at this point, even though they could use it too. All right. All right. Good and warmed up now. Yeah. That's the free agents. Yeah. Compensatory discussion there. If you want to hit a couple of the names, say so. Otherwise, I, my eyes keep going to this chaps my ass okay. portion of Lee, the sheet. Does he have it listed out there? Do we have it listed out as far as topics, or are we just going to let me rattle them off and go? I think both count. Both. I mean, at the top of the list, I see Daniel Jones and tight end. Yeah. I need some, I need some explanation. Got to start right there. There's a report in, in New York yesterday. Manish Mehta had a report that, that Daniel Jones, one team wanted him to work out as a tight end in the pre-draft process. Okay? Now, what? yeah. So, exactly. What? It chaps my ass. Manish okay? reported that a team wanted to work out Daniel Jones as a tight end. Yes, right. So basically, let's let's pile on. No, no, the first time I heard this comment, I just thought, "Wow, the Jets beat writer had some negative propaganda on the Giants." Whoa, shocker there. So to me, it's like, who gave them that information? The Jets? I mean, the, <laughs> you know, everybody's piling on the Giants in New York right now. Everybody's piling on Daniel Jones. Listen, I know I wasn't a big fan, but I'm gonna. I want this piling on to stop. I really do. And this, to me, is a bunch of bullshit. This kind mm-hmm. of stuff right here. This is where it drives me crazy. First off, I. Not necessarily in love with the reporting of it, okay, with this kind of scenario. Um, You know, since he is a Jets beat writer and he realizes that everyone's piling on the Giants, I don't doubt that he's reporting maybe something somebody told him. But again, I don't know if I would believe the person that told him. And what I would want to argue even more about this is I would love to know the team that really wanted to him to work at a tight end because they need to go into psycho evaluation, <laughs> psychoanalysis, like in a big way. Right. A 6'5", 221-pound tight end, right, that runs yeah. 4'8", they're not very high on the tight end list. I'm so- just trying to picture how this all would go down. Maybe it was a team because th- there were reports later that, hey, this kid's much more athletic than people are giving he him is. credit for. Yes. Maybe some team said he's so athletic he, he could probably – play tight end I mean this is a reach as well right I'm just I'm just trying to think of how it got misinterpreted because it's hard to imagine a team talking about a first round quarterback is saying you know We'd work him out at tight end, but that's I, I, that's why I wanted to How talk about it. How does that happen? It just bothers me. It's piling on to me. It's a hot-button tub- topic up here in New York. D- Daniel Jones is a quarterback. He's a quarterback all the way. And just because we said he was undervalued as an athlete didn't mean he was an athlete athletic enough to, <laughs> to play, play sta- tight end. To, at 221, he, you're saying he'd have to be a stand-up tight end. Right. Like Jordan Reed, like a slot receiver. So that is so stupid on so many levels, and I'm not blaming just Manish Mehta on that. Yeah. I'm just, you know, somebody might have told him a lie or told him something. I don't know. But either way, I just don't like it, and I think it's wrong on all accounts. I think it's Manish. Or I, think it's, I, I think it's Manish Mehta. Manish Mehta. Sorry, you're right. <laughs> I probably still said his name wrong. It's, it's okay. Yes. There was a lot of talk about Lamar Jackson playing a different position last year, too. Right. So these sort of things come up with the quarterbacks. Uh, it is surprising to see it with Daniel Jones, though. Yeah, I mean, it's. It, I mean, Lamar Jackson was surprising, too. It was a bunch right? of BS, too. The yeah, guy's no. only played one sport his whole life, and in that sport, he's only played one position his whole life. Right. And he was the best quarterback in college football for two years, but... Yeah, let's move him to receiver. Right. Okay, that's just a bunch Big of BS, Big difference too. between first-round quarterback, uh, no matter the year, and a later-round quarterback like Trace McSorley. I think we've talked about him. Yes. And you like the idea of potentially having him, trying him at a slot receiver like like Edelman. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, his, his college film mm-hmm. warranted that discussion. Right. Daniel Jones or Lamar Jackson did not warrant that discussion. Trace McSorley, I watched 10 throws and said – He'll never be an NFL quarterback. This is not going to happen. I respect the player. He's gritty. He knows how to win. You know, he's a good athlete. All of those things. But 
if you wanted to make it in the NFL and optimize your skills and your ability, yeah, McSorley his, needs to make the change, and his, that made sense there. His future is elsewhere. Right. All right, that's the Daniel Jones story. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, how about players not working out with teams? Okay. Big-name players. Yeah, okay. And this is, to me, more of just something that I think needs to be put on the radar of fans because I've had a lot of even my friends ask me, like, why, why is Odell Beckham Jr. doing this? Why is Le'Veon Bell doing this? Okay? So here's at a base level where I just want people to back off the player a little bit to understand the full scope of the situation you know one okay uh these guys are professionals okay Mm -hmm. they know what it takes to be in shape and play at a high level they've already proven that whether you like the guy or not Le'Veon Bell's been a stud for a number of years Odell Beckham Jr. has been a stud they've both in the conversation for the best at their position in the sport second of all this is the other thing people got to take into account you know when you go and train with your football team, and of course I am for that, but you're going to train with a football team, most weight staffs have three guys, three trainers, maybe four this time of the year, okay? There's 90 players, okay? Odell Beckham Jr. does not want to do some of the same drills that a 315-pound defensive tackle are doing or some of the weightlifting exercises in the weight room that they're doing. He's going to be there and go, what the hell is this doing for me? I mean, I don't need to worry about taking on double teams. Are we? Uh, so, so he has the money and the assets to hire a trainer and probably somebody to watch his diet along with it. And on a daily basis, he can work on the things that get him better as a football player at his position, specific to his skill set that he needs. He's getting more individual attention. And again, we got to remember, too, a lot of these guys these guys are training with, these are high-level trainers. I'm going to say in a lot of cases, they're way higher-level trainers than the guys who are training football teams. They're, they're so good at their jobs, they don't need to be employed by a team. They can overcharge special commodities like Odell or Le'Veon Bell or other single clients and make them overpay for hourly wages of them training because they're that good at what they do and they're cutting right. edge. And we have this thing in the, in, in the sports world that we think, just because it's a professional team and there's a business card and it's got an NFL logo and a great team logo next to it that they must have the best stuff available to them that money can buy. And let me just tell you, the NFL is years behind in training mm-hmm. and they're years, years behind in rehabilitation. And I think that's why you see so many players. It's not just Odell Beckham Jr. and Le'Veon Bell. We could find a handful of players on every team that are doing this. And Yes. What ways are they behind in training, you think? Well, I think in training, more or not, it's not always as specific as it should be. They're just getting into, you know, NFL teams have just changed their thoughts of, you know, come here and work hard and we're going to grind you into the ground. And it's the first one to puke. And now we had a good workout (laughs) if you puke. Yeah. Right. No, that's over. It's about, it's about. It's a sport about four and five second explosions and training the nervous system to be optimal during those four or five seconds so it can just so a guy who runs four three can run four three 45 times when he runs a route at wide receiver. Uh, I think that's the thing that you know the NFL some teams have caught on to it, but other teams have it and they're a little behind. When it comes to you know rehab and rehabilitation, man, the NFL's answer to, to any injury you ever have is ice and stim. Right. Your shoulder hurts? <laughs> Oops, try some ice and stim, and then go back to the ice. Right. And then go back to the stim. Yeah. And then we wonder why Kobe Bryant's go to Germany or Chris Sims loses his spleen and goes to Canada <laughs> because I didn't have any fucking doctors or a team doctor that could tell me how to fix myself. Right. I mean, when I lost my spleen, they were just do some more crunches. Seriously? Yeah. I mean, that's what I did. For a lost organ? It was crunches. It was like your core is weak. Just do crunches. Oh, yeah? Great. You know what? The crunches aren't doing shit yeah. because my muscles are all shut off. So how about you give me an answer to start my muscles again? What did you find in Canada? Well, the Canada, I went to a doctor up there who finally started to find the roots of my problems. He was the one that told me. I put What's the thing they put on to see the pregnancy? Uh, ultrasound? Yes. He put an ultrasound like belt on me, basically, and had me do a few exercises and basically showed me, he goes, 
listen, your, your muscles are atrophied. They don't, you can do sit-ups, but you're not using your muscles in your stomach. Yeah. You're finding other ways because you're an athlete to cheat the exercise and pulling with your oblique and your arms or whatever right. else. And I found out, yes, with his technology and sports rehabilitation knowledge that I was atrophied there and that I had to get those muscles going again. And it's a very common thing throughout the NFL and a lot of high-end players do it, but the superstars do it more than not because they have the money to right. do it. Right. And I think, you know, that's the big difference. Tell me what you think about this. I, mean, I was just listening yeah. to you talk about the fact that uh, OBJ is not going to be around in Cleveland for the OTAs and that, that kind of thing. I think one of the most overrated cliches that it's a go-to for quarterbacks and receivers, they're going to develop chemistry yeah, right. in the offseason. Right. And I think it's such BS. If a receiver's good and a quarterback has confidence, he can have confidence throwing to him in September, no matter if he threw to him in May or June or not. Uh, 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 totally agreed. It's a way overstated comment. First off, the last time we had the player strike and there was no offseason, yeah. we had three quarterbacks throw for 5,000 yards that year. So tell me how in rhythm and sync they were with the right. receivers They're that not year. throwing to him blindfolded. They, they don't have to trust he's going to be there and develop that blind trust in April and May. No. They can look and see where he is and throw to the open guy. They can, and they're still going to get a million reps through July right? and August and even that first week of September to catch up on that type of stuff. So, yes, it's definitely an overstated thing. Hey, listen, in the perfect world, would you love the guys to be there sure, yeah. so you can work it's- out and do those type of things and, you know, get a relationship going and camaraderie? Yes, but at the end of the day, these are grown men. Everybody knows what it takes to get better at their position. And, yeah, I think that's kind of just like hyperbole, that yeah. talk at times. It's a bonus. Like, if you're a quarterback, you're like, would you like your best receiver here in May? Sure I would. Is it going to cost you in October because he wasn't there in seven-on-seven seven when they're going half speed anyway in the spring? No. Well, no, no. And, you know, like – there was a period of time when Tom Brady didn't come around much right. in offseason. Right. 2008, 2009, 2010. It didn't affect him. I mean, the timing and rhythm was there. And my man Pete, Pete D just made a nice point in my ear. He goes, when the season starts, do the players even remember who's there? No. 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 Unless you're really horrible right. and you're playing horrible, yeah. then they might start to use that against you. Right. But more times than not, it's the high-end players that are doing this. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're performing on the field, all is forgiven and nobody's going to care about it once September rolls around. And it's also going to give a lot of lesser-known players, free agents, a chance get some to, reps. to get some more reps and exactly. get the coaches' attention to gain their confidence. So I don't see that as a giant negative either. No, I, I don't either. I, I would love Le'Veon Bell to be there sure. for the New York Jets. And, and I worry about him a little bit more just because he's learning a new offense and running back. There's more rules than a receiver, you know, because you got the protection rules and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, Le'Veon Bell's a smart guy. When he gets there, he's going to understand the offense and he'll catch up in no time. Right? Yeah. My tiny little time with the Vikings in 1995, Warren Moon. Right was doing sideline reporting for the NBA playoffs and the OTAs for, uh, for TNT. So he was, never, he was never there. So there you go. So the rest of us, nobody's got to have a lot of reps and yep. didn't help that much. But it was nice. Uh, I'm just thinking of the, the positive side of the big-name guys not being there. Right. There are a lot of lesser-known people who are getting opportunities to help their chances in August well, make of the team. And to your point where it's spot on, is, and just to like peel back the curtain for people there, if Odell Beckham Jr. was at Cleveland camp right now, mm-hmm. The whole everything would be orchestrated around Odell. Of course, they would be yeah. going. Let's get him the ball in seven on seven. Let's yeah. do this. Let's and you know how that works. They would be scripting plays that they want to see Odell Beckham Jr. to where it can take away from the rest of the team. What you're saying and maybe the offense to a degree. Now Freddie Kitchens is not worried about that. He's just going to call Mayfield plays. Baker Mayfield doesn't have to worry. He doesn't worry about. Let me feed the guy. Yeah. Right. Let's just call plays. We'll all work as a unit and see where it all goes. So. Uh, that's not Odell Beckham Jr.'s fault either when the coach does that. Sometimes the coaches fall into that trap because it's a brand-new shiny toy. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, I want to see him run a post. Oh, my okay. gosh, that was amazing. Let me see him run a slant. Oh, my gosh, let me send him deep. Because I yeah. know Gruden was like that with Joey Galloway one year. Mm. We got Joey Galloway, and I was afraid Joey was going to die by the end of August because I was like, man, this is practice four, and he's run 95 bombs already, right. and, and I'm worried about it. But Gruden was obsessed yeah. with it, so he orchestrated so many things we did, and other guys' games fell off because of it. Yeah. 
It, it was fun to watch Joey Galloway take like four and a half yard strides, though. Oh my right? gosh! Just a different Insane. level of fastest player I ever played running with. and hopping. Yeah, I mean, and I, yeah, he's uh, it was amazing. I played with CJ Two K too. Okay. That would have been a hell of a race. Yeah. But I've never seen anything like Joey Galloway. Right. Yes, I'd put him up there with anybody in the history of the sport. That yeah, I'm not saying he beat Deion Sanders or Daryl Green, but it would be a bam bam finish. I know that. Super Bowl guarantees is listed on the chaps my ass portion. Chaps, of the podcast today. What's my up there? ass. My ass is red and chappy of this stuff, okay? <laughs> this, is, this is just like food for thought or things that I don't understand, again, why one guy gets crap and then another guy doesn't, right? Okay. So a lot of talk this week, okay? Greedy Williams makes Super Bowl proclamations last week, right? Why? With the Cleveland Browns. Why would he Because he's that? a rookie and he just doesn't understand the NFL yeah. yet. So, yes, why he did that, I don't know. I'm not condoning it, mm-hmm. but he did it, okay? All right, now Odell Beckham Jr. last night, he's at the Met Gala, right? The, the party for the stars, Anna Wintour, Devil Wears Prada, right? All that. He says the go- – the goal there is to make the Browns, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, make the Browns like the Patriots. We, we're trying, he said, we're trying to win Super Bowls. These become big stories, yeah. right? Big stories. Oh, how could Greedy Williams say that? What an idiot. He's putting bad expectations on, on the Browns. Odell Beckham Jr. says it. Be like the Patriots. The Patriots would never make comments like that. They wouldn't do that. And why doesn't he just be quiet and do his job and all that? But then... Daniel Jones made the same freaking comments on Friday, and nobody talks about it. You think it's a quarterback, non-quarterback? I do think it is a little bit. Like, I don't know. I ask you, like, to me it comes off as, whoa, crazy wide receiver and and, and DB. These diva positions, God, they're so outlandish and outspoken. How crazy they are. And then the quarterback says it, and everybody's like, oh, ah, this guy's smart. Right? That's He's a guy driven. you want as the Goal-oriented, face. this guy. Yeah. It, so I'm just pushing back about, to me, is the unfairness of that. To, 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 at least it looks like to me. If you think I'm wrong or stupid, please tell me. I, I, but that no. bothers me a little bit. It, to, to me, and I, I think you can boil it down even more, with Odell Beckham Jr., people are like, oh, it's, it's his personality. He's an established star. Maybe that's not as much of a problem as a rookie, Greedy Williams, saying it. So maybe it's, it starts with the quarterback thing. It's okay if a quarterback says it. Yeah. Then it's okay if one of the, an all-pro, Pro Bowl kind a proven of star commodity, right. says it. But maybe the rookies shouldn't be allowed to say anything unless, unless they're the first-round quarterback. And then it's okay. There's well, a lot of rules going on. Well, that's what I mean. I just don't – where are the rules? Yeah. Where's the rules? I, I, I hate stuff like that. I'm always going to point that out on Unbuttoned mm-hmm. because, to me, it's hypocrisy. You know, hey, even with Daniel Jones, you know, you've probably heard me say this before. It drove me crazy through the draft process. Josh Allen throwing for 56.8% was an issue with Josh Allen, the quarterback, last year when being drafted. But then Daniel Jones, 59%, with a great – college head coach yeah. was not a talking point this year. Didn't right. matter for him, but for some reason it mattered to the quarterback playing in blizzard conditions in Wyoming yeah. with no NFL players on his team. But here's another guy with an NFL coach around him where it's just swept under the rug. And right. I understand his receivers weren't great either, and I get that. But yeah. to me, I just don't understand why one guy gets the benefit of the doubt and the other doesn't. I'm always going to challenge that kind of crap. How about these expectations, though, for the Cleveland Browns? This is a team that won one game. In two years now, if, if they go eight and eight, it's a failed season, right? I, it does seem that way. I nine mean, and seven is like a eh. nine and seven. I think would be like okay, things are going the right way, but still going to leave a bad taste in their mouth right. unless they snuck into the playoffs at nine and seven. It's playoff or bust. I do believe that. I do. Isn't With that Cleveland, crazy? It is. It's crazy. The sheet here, most optimistic fans in the NFL in the in the stack of sheets underneath the uh, chaps my ass. Thank you. Did we, get, we hit all the chaps my ass? I just want to make think, sure I think there. We did. You okay. Take good. A look? Yeah. Daniel yeah. Jones. All right. Good. Yeah, good. Yeah. Thank you. You got them all. Good. Cleveland Brown fans are the most optimistic when it comes to, and I don't want to get through this entire formula, but buying tickets and their expectations for the teams. This is the most optimistic fan base. This is according to StubHub. Uh, okay. This, this is what happens in May. It, what, what I think is amazing, you're right, but that just it proves to you that everything's positive. I mean, if you're watching on YouTube right now, too, the, yeah, top, are, yeah. the top 10 teams, none of them are good. You know, that's what jumps out to me. It's you don't the, think Cleveland's good? Well, I do think Cleveland's good. They're, yeah. they're at the top of the list, and we know the reasons there. But the Redskins, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Cardinals, the Bengals, the Bills, the Giants, the Raiders, the Bucks. I mean, am I wrong? Those, those are all teams that picked in the top 15 for the most, right? Yeah. So, yeah. 
So uh, I just a lot think of them have brand new reason to believe. They though, do. Right? You're right. I mean, that's that, that's what Haskins. Look at Cleveland. OBJ, yeah. Right. Peter Mayfield. Look at the Jets. Sam Darnold. Yeah. Bell. The Dolphins Cardinals got Josh Rosen yeah. now. Yeah, I get it. it it's a, it is. It's about optimism. It's cool. It's good to see. It just shows you that it is the time of the year where everybody's positive. Oh, look, our team got better. We can be a better team this year. What? You want to pick one of these ten teams? Yeah. Just one that you think is going to be that much better and their their fan base should be fired up about what they're doing. Yeah, uh, you know me and the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the (laughs) Buffalo Bills. They're a team that I look at. Yeah. And the other team that was number two on that list, yep. and I don't know. The reason they're excited is because of the pick number 15. You going Redskins? Yeah. I think the Redskins, I look at the Redskins really the last two years. I give Jay Gruden a lot of respect. I think he's done a better job than he gets credit for. Their team has been ravaged by injuries the last yeah. few years. Yeah. And, hey, listen, you can blame some of that on the coach and maybe they need to change their practice patterns and training patterns and maybe change the trainer that we've talked about who's obviously not li- – okay, there's yeah. another example. Yeah. I mean, teams that have repetitive injury histories, there's something there. It's not just – so. Uh, but I just look at them and go, man, offensive line's got some talent on it. When they stay healthy, you got Scherf, Trent Williams, Morgan Moses. You go, oh, okay. Their defensive line with all the Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Kerrigan on the outside. I mean, they got – Sweat is there now. Um, receivers that I think have potential. You know, Darius Geis is going to be back. I think the Redskins are one of those teams that I would just say, just put a little asterisk next to to watch out for them in, in 2019. All right, thinking quarterbacks, thinking yeah. NFC. You made some people either very happy or really pissed off this week with your comments about Mitch Trubisky. Right. Or Mitchell Mitchell Trubisky, Trubisky so as they we, say We now. were sitting on the couch here last week. Yeah. I, I think we answered a question about – could he be the MVP? And you were positive about it. I yep, I am positive and about it. And this just snowballed from here. People not not happy with you about well, this? Well, not happy. Well, then yesterday we got on the PFT. We got to do a conversation about the Bears. And, you know, Trubisky is always the lightning what rod What was topic. your opinion and what was Mike's? Well, my, my opinion, Mike just asked me about Trubisky. And he yeah. goes, can the Bears win a Super Bowl with Mitchell Trubisky? I said, definitely, 100%. Hands down. I have no doubt that they can do it. Again, we in America have to get over this. The quarterback is the only thing that matters on a football team uh, conversation or headline or whatever it is. It's all we ever hear about. I mean, this. I'm going to give a few examples. Again, Jared Goff is not one of the ten best quarterbacks in football. They went to the Super Bowl last year, okay? I just explained it. Man, I, Nick Foles is never going to win a Super Bowl. You can't win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Oh, that's right. He won a Super Bowl. Damn it. You know why? Because he had a team around him, right? Okay. Russell Wilson, when he won his first Super Bowl with the Seattle Seahawks, it wasn't because Russell Wilson was tearing defenses apart. There was people questioning, can you ever win a Super Bowl with a guy that size, that quarterback? Oh, yeah, no, you can when you put a great team around him. But they also, both those guys made big throws in big moments. They did, sure. In addition to the quality team around them. Yes, definitely. And I'm not saying yes. I mean, you're going to have to have your moments. But right. I think we're all putting it in like you have to be Tom Brady mm-hmm. or Peyton Manning to win a Super Bowl. Or nobody else can do it. It was people in Chicago that were not happy with you too, right? Well, I guess. It's a constant battle with the people in Chicago. He's become a huge subject for them. You know, hey, Joe Flacco, he was never going to win a Super Bowl either until he won the Super Bowl. Until he was terrific in that run, yeah. And, you know, again, you know, in 2015, the worst quarterback in football won the Super Bowl. The worst quarterback. Statistically... Physically, literally, figuratively, yeah. whatever you want. Peyton Manning threw nine touchdown passes and 17 interceptions. And he won the freaking Super Bowl. Why? Because he had a decent running game and an out-of-this-world defense. Right. So Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl throwing for 145 yards and one touchdown. And he became the MVP. He had 90 yards before the last drive of the game. And in, in the last Super Bowl so, win for Tom, they weren't that No, it, but so that's that my point. Yeah. And Tom's the man. I'm just saying it's about the team around you. Mm-hmm. And you don't always have to be Dan Marino or John Elway to win a Super Bowl. You know, uh, so I look at Mitchell Trubisky and go, phenomenal athlete. He has a very good arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could he be a little bit better accurate, a little more accurate, maybe a little more, you know, precise with his decision-making? Sure. However, if you look at all of the – and I'm just coming at this. I mean, I'm just yeah. kind of on the periphery yeah, here. Yeah, cool. Of this discussion you've had yeah. for a week. Right. And of watching Trubisky grow over the last couple of years. Yeah. Every way you would measure a quarterback from year one to year two, whether you want to go completion percentage, touchdown to interception ratio – Yards per attempt, sure. how many games did the team win? Right. They all went up. Yes. 
and they won the division. So just again, is like I don't love or hate the Bears. I just right. like to watch the league. Right. Why, why would people not be excited about his development? First thing is he was drafted before Watson and Mahomes. So As right there. Out, not his fault. It's not his fault. But people are making it his fault because they want more. They want to see Watson or Mahomes. Listen, he might never be Watson or Mahomes. You're going to have to get over it. But you have a franchise quarterback in Chicago. So be happy that you got one and a guy that can win football games. I think that's the first thing. Hey, the first thing, you made the point. You're exactly right. What a great jump from year one to year two. Yeah. I mean, they went 12-4. and four. If he doesn't get hurt and Chase Daniels doesn't come in and play like crap against the Lions where they won, thank God, because they got a defensive pick six, or he played against crap like the New York Giants, okay, um, they might have gone 13-3 and and had the second round and had a first round bye. Maybe it's the Rams coming to see them in the divisional playoff game. And then who the hell knows what happens? So, you know, I think he did plenty good. He's one of the best running back, running quarterbacks in football. Mm-hmm. It was his second year in the NFL. It was his second system. His first year, I've made this point a lot. It was not only a rookie, his starting wide receiver the last like six or seven weeks of the year was Tariq Cohen. Yeah, right. I mean, he was there, they started out games in 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end, two receivers, and Tariq Cohen was one of the receivers. So the rookie year wasn't great from that standpoint. Year two, he's going to the new system, all these new players around him, and everything goes on the right trajectory. And he, in the biggest moments, came through. Right. Gosh, he drove them down against the Philadelphia Eagles, who we were all going, damn, the Eagles might win the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and put them a chance to win the game and then double doink happen. Right. So I, I just I want to back people off of the Mitchell Trubisky hate a little bit. Yeah. I know he's not a superstar at this point, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of good and you could have a lot worse, I would tell as Chicago fans. And I would also if you know pile on to the, the, the positive way of looking at what's happening in Chicago with uh, Mitchell Trubisky also. Matt Nagy's only going to get better as a play caller. A hundred percent. Yeah, but former quarterback who learned under Andy Reid. Right. He's only going to get better himself, and he was good to start. Mark Helfrich, who's working on that offense as well, brings in those college ideas. Sure. And I think Matt is even more open to than others because I of his agree. time with Andy Reid. Right. So I, I, I think there are a lot of reasons to be excited about what Chicago's doing. I, I totally agree with you. And Matt Nagy, to what you're saying, too, now he's had a year to study Cherbisky. He knows what he does well, what he doesn't do so well. He can work on those things he doesn't do well, but input that more of what he does do really well into mm-hmm. the offense, and he can tinker with that all offseason. So that's that's certainly a positive, and I would just be shocked if the Bears aren't one of the better teams in the NFC once again. I'm with you. Uh, bringing yeah. us to, to the next point here, what quarterback do you think is, is in the best position to win his first Super Bowl in 2019? Oh, okay. We're not talking Drew. We're not talking Tom. Yeah, no repeat offenders, Aaron. right? Yeah. No repeat offenders. All right, so I got five names in the AFC that I think jump out to me. That I'll, I'll narrow it down to one. I know you want one. You want one each? <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to go one through five nope. in terms of how much you believe in them. Oh, or... nope. I'm just going to throw out five names, okay? okay? And then I'll pick the one I think. One. Yeah, and I'm really kind of flushing this out on the fly myself. Sure. I don't okay. even know. But, okay, in the AFC, Mahomes, Watson, Rivers, Luck, Lamar Jackson. Those five, Those five, I think, are jump out to me. You know, listen, I'm not picking Josh Rosen right now, okay? Yeah, sorry, I'm not right. picking Marcus Mariota, all right? got to cap it somewhere. Five's you, a good number. Exactly five right. I'm not five. picking Derek Carr and company there yeah. either, all right? Yeah. All right. Uh, so then I go to the NFC. Let's stay with the AFC. Okay, Let's sure. Stay with the AFC. Stay there. Cool. Keep me, on, tar- keep me on task. And, and narrow that one down. Okay. So. It's a good list. Yeah, it's a good list. Thank you. How about the one? Let's go two different directions. The yeah. one you think is closest to getting it done and the one that you would like to see just like we're all fans yeah. at some level philip rivers is the one i'd like to see easily for me I'm, I'm rooting for yeah him. i was rooting for him at the end of the last year i yep. was rooting for the chargers in the playoffs it's, i felt like it was like the john elway story again like mm-hmm. remember when they were going to play the packers i mean i loved red Favre with the packers and i was like man john yeah. elway deserves a super Bowl. right yeah so I would really love to see Rivers do it. Yeah. And the AFC West is tough, and, you know, of course, they don't have a great home field advantage, so we'll see where all that goes. Right. But if you had to – all right, you had to ask me the two quarterbacks that I think are next to win the Super Bowl in the AFC for their first time. So Rivers is just the guy you want to. He, he, I don't think I'm going to put him there okay. yet. No. Yeah. And I have questions about Rivers' ability overall at this point of his career. A little bit. I do. What are they? I think if we went back and watched the end of the season together, you and I, yeah. you would see more throws and go, hmm, damn. That wasn't that great. Yeah. I didn't remember he underthrew so many balls like this in the divisional playoff game against the Patriots or the wild card game against the Ravens. That wasn't that great. Hmm. The end of the year, 
a little bit like Drew Brees. I just thought he physically looked worn out. He's always been kind of a risk taker. And yes. Throws a couple more interceptions he than does, some of the other right. quarterbacks whose efficiency is right there as well. But he does. So it's not just the interception thing. It's, it's not. just miss some throws. I think miss some throws. I worry about his ability to push the ball and make some power throws against the better teams in football to get them over the hump to win a game like the Patriots. If we went back and watched the Patriots, you'd see a few where you'd go, yeah, that ball was 20 yards under thrown. That ball was 15 yards under thrown. He's got the guy one-on-one running a corner route. Just and missed him. He does, he, he does it. And, you know, again, was what that I, a pattern from the season or just that just the It happened about, I want to say, the last three to four weeks of the regular season and then filtered into the two playoff okay. games where, yeah, it just looked worn out. The arm looked very tired to me. And, I, and, and one thing I'll go with Phillip Rivers, you know, his motion doesn't, to me, will not last the test of time. He's, he's been a high-level quarterback since he started the first game in 2006. Right. And hasn't missed since. No, I know. And he's still really good. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. But I just think that we're going to continue to see the decline in arm strength and the ability to make Phillip Rivers-type throws. Because of his motion? Because of his motion. He's a pusher. He's like this. It's like, you know, it fell off a cliff for Eli Manning. I mean, Peyton Manning in a hurry. You know, I worry about that with Drew Brees a little bit. You know, their motions just don't don't last the test of time. You see how Rivers does it. It's almost like a shot put throw. Brady's going to be able to throw the ball 70 yards or 65 yards in the air until he's 55 years old because of the way he throws it. Uh, I don't know if I can say the same about Rivers. That's what I worry about right. at least. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just picturing Drew's motion. It doesn't look like – Phillip it's Rivers not like Philip Rivers, but it's a little more tight. It's, it's and more he's just not a, He's not necessarily a, never a gifted, strong arm quarterback to begin with anyways that way where okay. you were just going, oh, wow, look at that laser. He's amazing. I'm not trying to say that, but we've talked about Breeze. I looked at it as more of a passer mm-hmm. than a thrower. Yeah. Great timing, great anticipation, great right. accuracy. You know, knows to go with the ball where I don't necessarily look at him as a great thrower where I want to go, whoa, there was a tiny hole and he – Right. Threw a laser in there. It was a cover two hole ball. He right. fitted in there. The big post down the middle. No, when they wanted to make those throws at the end of the year last yeah. year, they I went to Taysom that. Hill. Taysom Hill was the one that threw the balls that were aggressive down the field, if you went back and look at it. So, again, the guys are good. I'm just giving right. you guys food for thought and things that worry about that I worry about as evaluator. I've rerouted you. Let's yeah. get you back. So, Philip Rivers, you, you would like to see him yes. pushing motion. Yeah, and all you'd like to see him win a Super Bowl, I but would. you're not predicting it. Yep. Which of the other four AFC quarterbacks that you listed you, you think is most likely to get his first one this year? I want to go down to Mahomes, Watson, and Luck. Uh-huh. Those three, and then I think from there, I look at Andrew Luck as being prime candidate number one. Now I know Mahomes is the easy answer. He is. I know, and yeah. I get it, but I just. I kind of got to see this Kansas City team replicate what they did last year. First of all, Tyreek Hill doesn't look like he's going to be there. Right. That's huge. Yeah. Second of all, the way they won last year, I still am going to challenge that aspect of you can continue to do that, where you have the worst defense in football yeah. and the best offense in football, and you think you're going to go to the Super Bowl. To me, that's just too much pressure on one side of the ball. So you think I, Luck's team is better? I do. I think Luck's team is better. Uh, I think they had another good draft. They had a solid free agency. I have a lot of faith in Frank Reich, the OC. I got a lot of faith in their defensive coordinator. I just look at them as a team and I go, yeah, they're poised to kind of be around here, I think, for the next few years, especially with Ballard at the helm. I just look at them. And so if you made me bet, I'd bet luck. Okay. There's so much excitement about the Colts right now. Yeah. What's the concern? What's something that you look at with the Colts and you say, you know, I like these guys, but – this might get in the way, just like the Chiefs' defense was that yeah, but last year in Kansas yeah, City. Yeah, I think it it still goes to the Colts' defense a little bit, maybe interior D line. That's why we talked about Sue maybe being a possibility there. I do think they lack a few big people in their rotation, and cover man-to-man corners. Those are the two things that I question about their football team. Now, the way they play defense, they kind of play the Seattle scheme. Uh, which is which is cover three press bail, so they don't need man to man all the time. I get that. That's not what they are. But I am a believer that you got to play some man to man this day and age in the NFL. Hey, the team that keeps going to the Super Bowl plays a lot of man to man. The New England Patriots, right. third and four. You know, as we saw in the AFC divisional game with the Chiefs and Colts, how many times did Patrick Mahomes on third and four find somebody open for six yards or step up in the pocket and nobody's around him and he finds somebody down the middle against zone for 20 yards, whatever it may be. I just worry about that aspect of their team, having some guys that they can shut down some people man-to-man in some of those situations. All right, AFC? Yeah. 
Luck. There it is. You've yeah. got the sentimental favorite is Philip Rivers. Yeah. The one you think is actually going to get it done is Andrew Luck. Yes, it okay. is. Yep. Good job. All right, NFC. thanks. Thanks. Put that one to bed in okay. the rearview mirror. Yep. NFC. Are you, are you scrolling to the NFC part? I'm looking just to make sure. I already there? wrote my five quarterbacks down. I just yeah. wanted to pull up the teams to make sure I wasn't uh, missing anybody else here. All right, so my list here is pretty easy. Mm-hmm. It's Wentz, Prescott, Goff, Trubisky, and Cam Newton. I'm going to throw Cam Newton in that conversation. I do think the Panthers will be in the playoff conversation when all said and done this year. You know, Cam's going to be 30 this year. Yes. Yeah, how about that? And shoulder surgery coming yeah. off that. So, yeah, he's got his work cut out for him. No Matt Ryan. No Matt Ryan. No Jared Goff. Nope. No Kirk Cousins. Oh, wait, Jared, I said Goff. Didn't I say Goff? I you, said you Goff. You said Goff. Yes. Okay. Yes, Goff's there. I apparently wasn't listening to that portion of the list. <sighs> I just – I No Matt Ryan. I, I, I probably could have wrote Matt Ryan down and probably should have wrote Matt Ryan down. I guess what I looked at Atlanta is I just didn't know if I thought they were a true Super Bowl contender this year. Right. But he should have made this list. You're right. You want Let's cut somebody. You want to cut somebody? What are you going to cut? If I was going to cut somebody there. I think if, I know who it's going to be. Because this is a team conversation, too. Yeah. You know, I, I probably would cut Cam just as far as the team conversation goes. I thought you were going to cut, cut Goff. Goff. I, I understand, but I still am scared of McVay and the talent yeah. they have on that team. that They could cer- certainly still be there. All right. Uh, so so Cam, Cam did make the list? Cam, I guess, did not make the list. I mean, there, there are teams like Atlanta and, and uh, Carolina where I look at and go, gosh, if things fall right, they could be one of the NFC powers. But they, I kind of got to see it to believe it first. Okay. Yeah. There's our five then. Yeah. There's our five in yeah. the NFC. Right. Who's your sentimental favorite before we get to the one who is actually going to get it? It would be Cam or Matt Ryan. Yeah. I think it would be. I think it would really be Cam. I think, uh, you know, Cam, uh, I think where I look at more than anything, again, I think he's so much better than he gets credit for because his quarterback rating is not great and his statistics aren't great. And it's not always about that with the way Carolina Panthers play football. It's more of defense. And, you know, they have a head coach who wants to play defense, run the ball, be the more physical team. Cam Newton's talents are about the pressure he puts on the defense on a weekly basis and what defenses have to do to prepare for him. Think about preparing for Cam Newton. This is where I think a lot of people lose his greatness in translation. A defensive coordinator has got to go, okay, first off is, okay, gosh, this guy's a big sucker. There's nothing that affects him in the pocket. What can we do to affect him in the pocket when he drops back to pass? Then you start to watch the passes. You go, damn, we got to defend the whole field. I mean, this guy can throw the ball 60 yards off his back foot, no problem. Throw 20-yard comebacks, he can do it all. So, damn, our secondary better be good. Oh, shit, on third and short, we got to worry about Cam Newton up the middle. He's one of the greatest short yardage runners we've seen in in recent history running the football, let alone at the quarterback position. So, gosh, and they're going to outnumber us because he's the quarterback, and they got – so how are we going to do that? Oh, gosh, damn, now we got to worry about the read option, too, on second and ten or second and eight. And they might run it up the middle with McCaffrey for ten yards, but, damn, this big fucker Cam Newton might run the ball off the edge for 20 yards, too. i got to worry about that. Oh, damn, he scrambles, too, when he gets – out of the pocket how are we going to contain him in the pocket all day long right. so all those aspects defenses have to take into account game planning wise he attacks your defense so many ways that yeah the numbers don't always look great but it's the pressure that he puts on the defense which really right. sets up the success for that Carolina offense he's one of the guys and there's a handful of them in the league but every fan should get to be on the field one time yeah at field level You're with right. Cam Newton First of all, he comes out of the locker room, and these are all big guys, but this is like next level. It's like 260, 270. He's giant. Giant. And then after Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if anybody just dominates the ball as much as Cam did. Yeah, right. Like the the RPMs. Yes. And the speed. The ball whistles. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's right. unbelievable. It so is just unbelievable. Like, the more I hang out with you, the more I realize, like, you and I, like, kind of appreciate and enjoy watching the same kind of things about quarterbacks. Sure, right. And it would be fun to watch a guy like that go deep in the playoffs if you just appreciate raw physical ability. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I go the Super Bowl. He gets a lot of flack for not jumping on that fumble. Yeah. And I get it. Now, he, he should have. Now, if we're going to question his toughness, if everybody thinks that's the reason he didn't jump on the ball, hey, as a quarterback, sometimes you get caught in positions. You go, damn, am I going to dive in there? If I dive in there, I might break my shoulder like yeah. Drew Brees did in Week right? 17. It happens. That was good. So you do think of those things, and he paused for a second. Super Bowl, you can't pause. I understand that. But to, for people to say, like, you think he's a coward, no. That's, he's the toughest quarterback ever. I was, like, at a, I was at a game in Seattle two or three years ago right. for Football Night in America. And as you know, it's the – Outside of Kansas City, probably the, the toughest environment. That defense was still probably the best in the league at that point. Right. They were down in the fourth quarter. He came back and made 
incredible throws, third and medium, third yeah. and long, on a couple of potentially game-winning drives. That's, that's toughness. That's smarts. Much more than one moment in the Super Bowl where maybe he'd go back and, different, right. and do it differently. Maybe he I, – I don't know if he would or not. Yeah. But sustained toughness – Sustain smarts when it mattered the most in a tough environment right. against a tough defense. I saw it up close and personal. And that anybody, anytime someone says that, that guy's not that tough, They're that's insane. the first thing that comes to mind for me is that I've seen it in person yes. where it's the complete opposite. The complete opposite. Yeah. Anytime number one's on the field for the Carolina Panthers, they, they got, got a chance. chance to win the football game. Yeah. That, that's just the simplest way to put it. And mm-hmm. that's how special he is. And even think about that Super Bowl. I would challenge people to go back and watch that game. Damn. He wasn't playing right tackle when he got strip sack fumbled by Von Miller twice. Right. Somebody he can't block it and throw it. Yeah. You know, again, we're gonna put this on Cam. You know, he threw a pass down the middle. The receiver had two hands on the ball. It got intercepted. Mm-hmm. Wasn't Cam Newton's fault his receiver couldn't catch the freaking ball. Right. And then I would also challenge people to go back and watch and go see how many drops Carolina had in that game. There's a number. I was there in person. You know, he he put them in the in the chance to win the football game. The rest of the offense failed Cam Newton. Right. that day. It wasn't Cam Newton's fault. I wish he would have handled the postgame differently. If he, that, that added the piling on. You're right. right. And You're right. I think he kind of deserved some of the criticism sure. that came from that. Sure. I um, understand that, too. I'm not going to make excuses for him there. But he's, uh, so yes. he, he's a sentimental favorite. Sentimental favorite. In the NFC to win the first Super Bowl. Who is the guy who's actually going to do it? Am I crazy that I think it's Carson Wentz? I was going to say it's Dak Prescott. I, he was the next guy. It's one of those, too. Yeah. I feel like I'm favoring Carson Wentz in the discussion. What was the tiebreaker mentally in the last 30 seconds I, I to think, go him instead of Dak? I, I think the offensive system uh, and maybe a little bit that the Phillies proven to me that they can win in big moments. I mean, the fact that they won the Super Bowl two years ago. Hey, let's not forget, I do think Wentz is better than Dak Prescott when everything's, you know, and both guys are healthy. Yeah, I think Wentz is special. Again, Wentz was going to win the MVP in 2018 right. until he got hurt, or 2017, excuse me. He was on fire. He was the best player in football that year. That was still the best Eagles team I ever saw, was the team that was being quarterbacked by Wentz before Foles got in there. That was their all-time best. But I just still think of the Eagles and go, man, this defense has still got a lot of good players on it. They still got a good old line. They got Doug Peterson, who I have a lot of respect for as far as passing game creativity. Deshaun Jackson's in the fold this year. You know, I just look at all of those things and go, I still think this is one of the better teams in the NFC, and I think they will be in the playoffs, and I think they're one of those teams that just has the right mojo during playoff time to go, we can overcome or beat anybody anywhere. We don't care who it is. Let's just line up and play. A lot of people had a reaction to the fact that the Eagles and, and Howie Roseman said, yeah, we're ready to give him a, a brand-new contract because he hasn't played much the last year and a half. People are like, oh, you should wait. You should wait and see if he can get through an entire season healthy. Yeah, yeah. I have no problem with it. I mean, what else are you going to do? Of course you stand behind this guy. I mean, yes. they let Nick Foles go for that reason. Right. So it shouldn't be any surprise that they're ready to say, yeah, a bunch of money is going to be his. That's our guy for the yeah, next that, years. I, I uh, 100% agree. And, you know, again – I think them, like me, the best team they ever saw was the Carson Wentz-led 2017 team that was on fire and going into the NFC playoffs. And we went, oh, my gosh, they got the MVP of football. Who can beat the Philadelphia Eagles? I think they see the greatness. They see it every day. You know, I've heard Fletcher Cox make comments about, man, when Carson Wentz practices, the defense stands up and watches because he does amazing shit every day in practice. So I think that tells you what they think of the player. The injury thing, hey, that's a real concern. I understand that, and I'm hoping that he'll his internal clock will make him slide a half a second right. quicker as he moves on here. But I think the talent has shown, or at least he's shown enough to me, that he has the talent to be in the top five quarterbacks in football conversation when, when he's healthy and, and things are clicking on that offense. You know, people got to remember last year, they were really a beat-up football team when he was playing quarterback. Yeah. They got healthy when Nick Foles took over. And then people kind of lose sight of that a little bit too, and it gets – thrown on Wentz's shoulders and then the offseason leadership things, and he owned up to all that. And I think that all leads into the questioning of Wentz right now. Russell Wilson kind of money coming his way? I Yeah, I do. I mean, to me, that you know, if they gave him Aaron Rodgers, maybe even a little below, I mean, would Carson Wentz turn down $30 million a year right now? I don't think no. so. When you've right. been hurt the last two years, 
Get him for the low now. Offer right. him something. Do it. How about Same Dak with Dallas. Prescott? Yeah. yeah. I mean, at the very least, Dak Prescott deserves to be paid every bit as much as Jimmy Garoppolo or Kirk Cousins. For sure. Right? For sure. And he's their guy. So, to me, sign him for $28, $30 million a year. That's going to be very favorable three years from now. Yeah. When you're going to see, I think the bottom of the quarterback market is going to be $27, $28 million a year, which is insane. But yeah, it's right? going to be there. To, to me, I, I look at Dallas, and I was thinking Dak Prescott instead of Carson Wentz just because of yeah. Everything around him. Sure. That defense can really run. They haven't I know. lost a lot. I know. I'm, and, I, and they have I, such yeah. an identity on offense with right. the line and with Zeke. And Dak, kind of like Mitchell Trubisky, like if you really look at the combination of individual numbers and winning, it is really, really good. And you put a good team around him, and it's easy to picture 12 wins in a deep run. I, I agree. And then also you look at Dak Prescott, and you, you want to point at his, la- his struggles early in the season last year. Year two, he took a little step back. But right. You Zeke look at was the totality. They exactly. had issues with the team all over. You look at the entirety of last right. season. It was a nice step in the right direction. It was a nice step. And there was a little Strugglesville early on. Yeah. And then they realized, oh, yeah, having receivers helps. So let's get Omari Cooper. Yeah. And then his game took off because yeah. he had one weapon. That became a little bit of a force your hand for the defense. Here's a guy. But I was very split between Prescott and Wentz. I really, the reason I gave it the advantage, my only issue with the Dallas Cowboy football team is offensive ingenuity, offensive creativity. Can Kellen Moore and Jason Garrett bring more schematically to that offense on a week-to-week basis to help out Prescott and Amari Cooper. It can't always be on them to make it happen with great physical ability. You know, every now and then you just got to be able to pick up the ball and the first guy you look at is open and you get to throw it. Right. And and they don't always get that that aspect or he doesn't get that privilege always. I think from a quarterback point of view as well, and you and I see it in South Bend when we work there at Notre Dame, I think the quarterbacks have a great advantage because Tommy Reese is there. Tommy's in his late 20s. Just got done playing quarterback himself. Sure. So Kellen Moore didn't have a highly successful playing career in the NFL, but he was a terrific college quarterback. Made it as a quarterback in the NFL not that long ago. Yeah. Is he 30? Is, is he early 30s? And now you get that experience with you in the meeting room. I mean, if I'm Dak Prescott, and I like Scott Linehan too. Sure. Uh, sure. I, I was a big fan of his. I hear However, you. When you have someone who's teaching you who's not that much older than you, who just did the same things himself, I, I just think that's a really unique advantage. I, I, it is. It, Monday through Saturday. Yes. I mean, just have that guy that can relate, yeah. you know, and is your age and understands what's, what the interests are off the field. The kind of conversations you can have all day long because you're with that person all day exactly long. Exactly right. Yes. It, it, it's uh, – I'm sure Dak Prescott is going to find it refreshing. Mm-hmm. He's going to have a guy he can talk to on a very equal level yeah. that's going to be able to give him some wisdom. And because it's a similar age difference there a little bit, I bet you Dak Prescott will have a little more guts about him maybe to speak up about things he doesn't or doesn't like. Where sometimes, I know I was this way when I was young. If a really old proven yeah. coach said it, I just wanted to say, yes, sir. Sure. Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah. You're right. Sky's red, Chris. It's fucking red, coach. You're yeah, right. I believe this, right? you 100%. But, but now it's almost a peer. It, it is. You, you like it to be a peer. And that's yeah. why people want Sean McVay and the right. Matt LaFleurs and the Kyle Shanahan's. Because, yeah, they can coach and tell you what to do. But you also can have conversations about, you know, coach, I don't like this. Tell me your thinking or sell this play to me or whatever right. it is. And that becomes the peer relationship. Did you have a coach like about. that in, in college or the NFL? <sighs> You could just kind of bounce ideas off back and forth, and it was more of a uh, an yeah. equal as opposed to getting talked down to. I think the one that I was closest to, like like Josh McDaniels, my year in Denver. That surprises. I me. I know you wouldn't think it. Josh will listen to you if he thinks you're wrong. Be ready for the answer, and he's going to yeah. sh- prove you wrong, like right on the spot. Yeah. But he he welcomed questions and some dialogue to where like Gruden it was just this way and that's way and this is what I like to do and to learn it and hurry up and spit it out let's get out of the huddle and I got 10 checks for you and we'll figure out the right play with Josh McDaniels no you could talk and go oh I don't love this play against this coverage I don't like this play against this coverage oh I love this play a lot in what setting were you having those conversations like a one-on-one meeting yeah yeah, throughout the week in quarterback meetings and then especially in a Friday Saturday when you're starting to kind of narrow the game plan a little bit and what do I like on third down what do I like in the red zone I you know it goes back to what I tell people a lot Belichick is a little bit more of a player's coach than people give him credit for uh, and I think Josh McDaniel is the same way 
They're not like evil dictators, like this this way or you shall right. die and be <laughs> off this team. Yeah. No, really good coaches know what they have and know how to go, okay, this is realistic for me to ask the player to do this because he's yeah. good at this. Not just do things and go, no, this is the way I do it. Even though you're not good at it, you got to do it anyways. Who else was in those uh, meetings with you? Was it Kyle Orton? Kyle Orton, exactly right. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was us two. Uh, and then we had a rookie, uh, Kyle Brandstatter at the time, a quarterback from friend, Tim Brandstatter, excuse me. Fresno? From Fresno, exactly yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was us three. But it was a great year. I learned a lot of football that year from Josh McDaniels. So if, if he was doing that with you three guys, he didn't really know that well. And he was the head coach and had to maintain kind of the head coach persona a little bit. Yeah. Can you imagine what he and Brady are doing together? Uh, from my knowledge of that, it's a it's – a, Big in-depth conversation on Monday afternoon. It's on the phone together on Tuesday right. talking about the game plan, talking about what you're seeing on film. Hey, Tommy, here's the game plan for this week. Let me fax it to you. People or still scan fax. It to you. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then Brady sends it back. Okay, I like this. I didn't like that. So, right. yes, that's going on in New England right now, and that's, that's part of their greatness. Sure is. Yeah. Yeah. Hit the quarterbacks, man. We did. That was well done. I feel like we've hit a lot today, actually. I'm looking at your, at your uh, cheat sheet. <laughs> yeah. It's probably a cheat sheet for me since it's <laughs> straight from your brain to the sheet. But yeah. I, I don't know if there's a. I don't think there's anything since, else. Since we, your dad is not going to hang out with us today. I, don't, I think we got it yeah. all, really. Pete, you happy? Anything else you want to hit? Producers in the back, yeah. Pete, Matt. All right. The bosses are happy. Then yeah. screw our bosses. Then we're happy. <laughs> we'll finish this I'll podcast. Let you, I'll let you say that. <laughs> I'm just the guy no, sitting here. No, I think that's it. I think we hit it all. Uh, appreciate everybody listen, listening. Uh, you know where to get at me. Hey, it's YouTube.com slash NBC Sports. If you want to watch Paul and, and me in, in person, uh, appreciate you always, man. You the man. Fun. And again, yeah. For everybody, Big Phil will be on on the Thursday podcast and will be a regular Tuesday uh, visitor and from here on out. Threatening to be here in person. And he says he's going to be here in person. I got to see it to believe it. Yeah. But, yes, podcast schedule from here on out. Tuesday, Thursday tapings should be out by Tuesday, Thursday night. Uh, for for the public to Let's digest. Let's go throw with Phil up, up at Chelsea Pierce. Oh, I think we're going to do some stuff like that, right. definitely. I think we got a lot of that kind of stuff planned out in the future for all kinds of people. So good. we're excited about it. All right, everybody, be good. Peace out. We'll talk to you. I didn't even get to my environment ra- uh, rant. It's coming on Thursday. It's been long enough. We'll get to it later. But I'm going off on the environment. Animals are going extinct all over the world. And guess what? It's because of humans. Yes. Sorry. Peace out. See ya. <laughs> Snuck that in there at the end. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.